You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. A group of young people, well, youngish people, got together to record a list of horror films that technically qualified as comedy, I suppose. What followed was something none of them could have ever expected. A massacre. The horror. The horror! It's Deliberations of Doom! Episode 2 of the comedy horror series! Ha 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 ha! L-O-L. Dude, why hasn't there been a horror movie called L-O-L that will do that? That just like, 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 boom sound for each letter. The sequel, L-M-A-O. They would be like adaptations, like, from the people who brought you L-O-L. Did you guys ever see Spree? Nine. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Spree, which is like I, I was like people were recommending it to me, and I was like, okay, but Joe I, Carey, right? I, I, yeah, I get it, but there's a point with like internet exhaustion takes over watching it because it's one of those. It's almost all like, oh, it's like what it looks like on the cell phone and like all that like back and forth, which other people have done to some extent, but it's just so excessive that there's a point like this movie's making me tired watching i'm like i'm i don't want to scroll facebook right now <laughs> there's a lot of comments for sure that are going up because he's live streaming the entire time when he's like in kind of an uber that's called spree is the actual uh, like car service yeah but it's also killing spree mm-hmm. i don't know I check remember. it out for yourself it's it's isn't it joe carey the guy from uh stranger things okay yeah I, it's technically comedy horror but it's you know comedy part is like I think it's just funny because of the nature of the setup. And David Arquette pops in as, uh, his, his, uh, his father. His, yeah, his, his, his DJ dad, who's pretty funny in it because he's washed up. Yeah, I, I found it kind of brutal to the point by the, when it got to the end. I was like, this movie made me feel bad. Aww. I just felt not about myself. I was just like, I'm just, it just made me sad. <laughs> like, uh, I'm what you will do laughing. for following yeah what you'll do maybe, maybe i was thinking about myself i don't know <laughs> shit hey you know like my podcast would go through the roof in success if i murdered a bunch of people <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my public. exit cue people be like <laughs> man you gotta listen to these old well, episodes you guys. of deliberations of doom this guy snapped and murdered a bunch yeah. of you yeah. any publicity is good publicity right whatever happened to the old cast and deliberations <laughs> of doom <laughs> oh yeah i wonder what they, i don't know i think they they intend fell off the scene. <laughs> They're very hard to track down. Don't worry about it. Everything's Woo! fine. No, uh, actually, one of them is dead, but I didn't kill them. So, <laughs> lady. yeah. Anyway, Deliberations of Doom, Episode Two of Comedy Horror. I am your host, Chris Cox, and joining me, Drew Tinnen, Madeline Fontenot, 
Just Allen. <laughs> just Allen now. You're like you're like Beyonce. You're I'm gonna do different intro each episode. <laughs> Fontenot is such a great last name. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It is a bastardization of waterfall in French. Uh, it's not spelled right, but it is the French equivalent of Miller. So huh. <laughs> did not realize that. And it's a much prettier name than Cox. I mean, that has its perks, don't it? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Believe me, you try and grow up without its last name. <laughs> Although I put a stop to it by the time I got to like college, we were like, uh, "Cock's like cock." Like, oh, I haven't heard that since elementary school. Wow, that's really clever. How and you just make them feel like a complete moron for making that <laughs> joke. You're like, come on, man, really? Like, try harder. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but I don't want to put my dick in my mouth here. Uh, let's <laughs> flexibility. Uh, well, actually, I do want to put my dick in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Society I'm, was last episode, but I'm 52, and that's not happening <laughs> anymore. Anyway, uh, we're moving on with comedy horror. Our last episode, our first one was just stuff from the 80s, and now we're moving on to the wacky 90s. Uh, the 90s were definitely a mixed bag for horror. Because I feel like Hollywood had this moment where they went, oh, people want to see horror, big budget horror films again. And we had a slew of just terrible young people in peril movies that uh, I guess people have more fondness for than I di- did at the time. Because I grew up on a diet of 80s horror. And here are these very sanitized horror films like, uh, you know, it was the one with the uh, uh, Sam Michelle Geller. Uh, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, I know what you did last summer and uh, stuff Jennifer like that. Hewitt, that yeah, was just yeah. like that. These are just like really sanitized versions of slasher. Well, it's films. classic like scream hits huge, right? And yeah. everyone takes the wrong lessons from why that was good. Oh, yeah, exactly. And just make a ton of like really shitty carbon. Also, copies. did Kevin Williamson only have one good movie in him? Because I'm starting to think Kevin Williamson only had one good movie in him. <laughs> the I movie can... we're going to talk about is, bef- is pre-Scream. Is pre-Scream. Scream is 96, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, and Scream, I'm not by any means shitting on that. It is really, it was a game changer of a film. And, you know, obviously would be welcome in a comedy horror show, but y'all have already heard everything there is to be said about Scream. One day maybe we'll do the whole Scream franchise. It was like The new one that came out is that Success. So there'll be huh? more. So maybe if we get up to eight, we'll just do all the screams. <laughs> yeah, when we get when there are eight screams, we'll yeah. do a scream, show, which might be soon because that movie performed like crazy. Yeah, it, it, it was good. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, outside of Courtney Cox looking like the mom from Brazil in the plastic <laughs> surgery scene, but you know, <laughs> not just, not ideal, not <laughs> ideal. But you know, that's part of the the thrill of the scream series is always seeing the way in that Courtney Cox has made a terrible decision in fashion. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> oh, I broke Matt's. <laughs> but I always, but I always thought that her bangs in the in Scream Three were actually like a little bit of an homage to Jill Sholin and Popcorn. That's my, that's my, Ooh. that's my theory. Just because she has the exact. Hey, the movie Popcorn cut. was on our possible list here for this one as well, which I only watched for the first time like maybe two years ago. Oh, never seen before. And I was like, oh, this is okay. This was one I'm glad I finally got around to seeing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about one. It's entirely possible, in fact, likely, that if you're listening to this podcast, you have seen, but I've never gotten a chance to talk about it on a podcast, and that is Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Obviously not Bordello of Blood, because no one would put that on a best of comedy horror list. Hey, (laughs) hey, hey, babe. Bordello of Blood here, babe. Cha-cha. Sorry, that's my Dennis Miller. Uh, Director Ernest Dickerson, uh, Dickerson is better known 
for his collaborations as cinematographer as Spike for Spike Lee. Yeah, do the right thing, baby. And Malcolm X, like literally, like the first like ten or so Spike Lee films, he was a cinematographer on all of them, and was you know has won awards for his work as a director on his own. He made Juice, Bulletproof, Bones. Surviving the Game and Never Die Alone, as well as a lot of television episodes of shows like The Wire, right? Mm-hmm. Dexter. Dexter. Tream. Uh, Treme, sorry. Mm-hmm. Not Treme. I, I know. You're reading a list. It gets the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in The Walking Dead. Uh, right now, he's actually doing new stuff on uh, DMZ, the new show based on the comic good. book. I've I have not watched it. the show. I've read mm-hmm. the book. And then Raised by Wolves on HBO. The writers, Ethan Reif and Cyrus Voris, originally wrote this as a spec script that was so popular in Hollywood that I heard from one source it was on the blacklist. I couldn't get that absolutely confirmed, but it was was indeed very popular, went through a lot of hands. Uh, it finally, after going through something like four or five different production companies... And then going like, uh, okay, well, we're ultimately decided to pass. Got to Joel Silver, who was like, oh, I just got the rights to Tales from the Crypt, the very popular HBO horror anthology series. And we're doing movies now with the like intros. So basically all we, we need is just add like a, a beginning and ending with the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and then it will be a Tales from the Crypt movie. I mean, above and beyond that as well. There was a thing where in the movie there is a thing like a, 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 a artifact that's filled with Christ's blood that is very important MacGuffin in the film. And that was supposed to be the one thing that would appear in all the Tales from the Crypt movies, which, by the way, believe it or not, there are three. I didn't even know there was a third one. There's either. a third one called know. Ritual, which is like a Jamaican uh, voodoo horror that oh. got medium to good reviews. Was it also in the 90s? Uh, I don't know when it came out, but it was a little bit after that. I mean, they obviously did Bordello of Blood, which I still find fun. No, it's fun. You know, but it's not nowhere near as good as this movie. And it also has Dennis Miller, who now is tainted by his, like, weird switch <laughs> from ultra-liberalism to ultra-ultra-conservative. Yeah. You know, like, hey, I'm a comedian. I'm just a comedian. Remember when he had an HBO show and he was like, I'm the most liberal comedian. And then he, like, that fell <laughs> that out of favor. Well. And then he was like, now I'm like an Alex Jones level conservative. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, you're not either. You're just a guy who wants to make money. Fair. I, I prefer like the, the, the Monday night football era of Dennis Miller. Yeah. Oh, I forgot he was on <laughs> yeah, Monday that night football. This season. Yeah. I remember, I remember that. And, and it's almost like he stopped remembering how to be funny. It was like, who doesn't have a sense of humor? But conservatives. The, <laughs> I can help them. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the writers of this as well contributed to Freddy versus Jason, which I've always thought was kind of one of the weaker points in that series, but I know people who love it. I'm looking at you, Alan. Yeah, I I'm one of them. Yeah. Like I think it's, uh, you compare it to like the latter Jason and Freddy movies. Shit shines, you know. All right. All right. I like it a lot too. Yeah. Oh, God, Drew. Let's go. Get thee behind me, Drew. Double teamed. See, now I'm going to have to watch it just so I can have my own commentary on it. I mean, it's not like I don't own it, but still. They also created the very popular after-the-fact TV show Brimstone for Warner Brothers. Even though it was one one season, it's on that cult list of shows that people, like its fans, are like slavish about how much they love it Mm -hmm. and keep wanting somebody else to pick it up again. Which, interestingly, has a major feature from Tales from the Crypt, which is that they're demons and the only way to kill them is do it in the eyes, which is like translates into that. Uh, and they also, I thought this was interesting. They were going to adapt a comic I loved as a kid called Camelot 3000, which I thought was great, but it never actually happened. But later they did Bulletproof Monk and Kung Fu Panda. 
Nuh-uh. Yeah, they were the ones, uh, like, it's, the, the film, when you look, it's a story by them, but it's credited to a totally different writer. But in interviews, they've said they literally, it's everything we wrote. Like, like they didn't leave out a single detail of our script. They just added a bunch of jokes. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, originally Tom Holland, who directed Child's Play, was going to make it his follow-up film. Uh, it went through a bunch of hands, as I said before, including the director of Pet Cemetery and Pet Cemetery 2, Mary Lambert, Charles Band's Full Moon Features. Uh, it was one of those films when I remember when it came out, it kind of bombed. Nobody gave a shit about it, but I did actually see this in the theater, if I remember correctly, and going, why isn't everybody talking about this so good? It's got Billy Zane in it. And even more so, in retrospect, the cast list for this is insane. Mm. Uh, Deep. I have in my notes, like, if you want to make your low-budget horror movie just, like, if you want to bump it up by, like, two or three points, just cast good actors. Like, yeah. all the character actors, there's, like, legendary character actors, young up-and-comers, like, soon-to-be, like, superstars in this. Like, it's there's not a weak point in the cast list. There's no bad performance. It, it it rips. It's so good. Well, speaking of the great William Sadler, who I had a wonderful conversation with at the bathroom at Alamo Draft House a few years ago. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was totally awesome. Uh, he plays uh, this guy, uh, Frank Breaker, who is a drifter. And when we meet him, he's being pursued by Billy Zane. Uh, you know, once again, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, all you had to say, baby, is Billy Zane's in this. Uh, plays a character only known as The Collector. The Collector. Uh, he get, they get in a car accident. Breaker manages to get away. He shows up in this town called Wormwood. If you're familiar at all with the Bible, even slightly, you're like, oh, wait, wasn't that a Revelations thing? <laughs> it was indeed. And the zombie movies. Uh, yeah, exactly. I haven't seen the sequel yet. Have you seen the second one? I have one not yet, out? no, but I've heard good things. I loved the first one. I thought it was terrific. So I'm curious about that. Anyway, so, uh, he gets brought into this boarding house, which is a decommissioned church where he rents a room. There's a bunch of people who are there. There's Irene, who is a prostitute there, like in a sad, one of those like sad, sympathetic for her prostitutes where you're like, this Honey. is all you've got in this town. One of those old West this. prostitutes. Exactly. Yes. Kind of like that. Uh, postal clerk Wally, uh, and a convict on work release named Geraldine, a misogynistic cook named Roach. Oh, Roach. Yeah. And, and some others. And, uh, basically Billy Zane shows up. Like, everyone's like, what's the deal here with this guy, this drifter who showed up? They don't really trust him. But when Billy Zane shows up looking all respect, respectable and pretending to be a cop, they're like, yeah, yeah, have him, have him, have him. They're like, here he is. We don't want some killer bad guy. But it didn't take long before they're like, oh, shit, this guy is not a good guy after all. People start dying. And it's clear that this is an eternal battle for good mm -hmm. versus evil as the main character, Sadler's character, is someone who has taken up the mantle, as many people have before him, of someone who had collected Christ's blood. Yes, I know. There's a religious aspect, but don't worry. Uh, in this artifact. And Christ's blood, of course, is like super, super powerful. And anyone who has this position can refill this thing with their own blood because that power of the spirit of christ or whatever is inside of them the idea is that the only way to stop this demon who needs this thing because it's i think the last of like seven artifacts that he's collected which then means the end of the world the only way to stop him is using christ's blood which like can form a barrier if you like put a drop on a window or a doorway like him and anybody anything he creates which are like like monstrous demons mm -hmm. they they 
they absolutely can't get through it. They're like, there's nothing they can, they, they can do in that case. So it's really a, um, assault on precinct 13 type of uh, experience where all these people are trapped in this church and they're being assaulted by all these demons he's created and Billy Zane himself as he is not only sending the monsters after them, but sending his own personality after them. Because anytime anyone experiences sort of like a moment of doubt, Billy Zane can kind of appear to them as like a devil tempter and a hallucination and yeah. sort of like tempt them with what they want most in the world. If only they'll say yes. And then basically he can possess them wherever they are and do the thing. Now, yes, horror comedy, this wouldn't, I wouldn't even call this a horror comedy if it wasn't for Billy Zane. Oh. So he's so funny. He's <laughs> really so good. This yeah. charming charismatic stick it to you in every direction motherfucker he was absolutely brilliant i love this character i feel like you're fantasizing a little bit <laughs> shut up <laughs> no he is he is an absolute like king in this movie he is is it my favorite billy zane performance I, it's, it's it's billy so... zane's favorite billy zane performance <laughs> he said so multiple times yeah. uh, it, you can tell he's just like relishing he's having like so much fun doing like the texas character at the beginning like and then, like, when he breaks it, he's like, fuck this fuck hillbilly it. hit the shit right kick. And he's like, goes, he goes into, like, full Robin Williams mode for a second. It's just, like, it's just so much fun. And he is, like, you could really feel the performance is, like, he's invested in this thing. He's, mm-hmm. like, there's not, you would think, like, oh, mid to low budget horror movie, mid-90s, the dregs of, like, the horror era were, like, oh, God, I have to do this horror movie. If You, you could see a lot of people phoning it in. And he is just not. No, he, he, not he was his character. He went all out on that night. It was a beautiful performance. And I he's loved it. so delightful in this role. It's what keeps bringing me back to this movie because it is my favorite Billy Zane performance. He's just both charming and creepy and is just, like I said, eating up the scenery, just chewing it to pieces. Plus, you've got this great cast. Like I said, William Sadler is the lead guy here. you got Jada Pinkett Smith in a very early role for mm-hmm. her, playing the sort of like, you know, the badass of the crew that very early on, you're like, okay, she is definitely going to be a final girl in this movie. But, Th- yeah, you Thomas wonder- Hayden Church in an early role for him is sort of like a doofus. C.C.H. Pounder, who had to wear a fat suit. And this, I was wondering, I watched this, I was like, wow, she's kind of big back then. Nope, she was wearing a fat suit because there's a scene where her arm gets cut off and the only way they could figure out a way to make it work is to hide it, is to hide it with a fat <laughs> suit. <laughs> really like good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dick Miller, God bless Dick Miller. Love him, like horror, you know, in so many horror movies, it's hard to even go through a list of them. Charles Fleischer and what might be his only horror movie performance, but is perfectly cast as the postal clerk. That is like one of the one only characters in this that gets a little bit of a twist yeah. that you don't see coming. But man, I'm I'm all about this movie. I go back to this movie like once a year and rewatch it. Well, you talking about like you want to talk about classic little kid Allen video shelf rentals <laughs> slash like um oh you know, we're staying in a hotel HBO. Let's see what's on. This movie felt like was just on a constant rotation on HBO for like 10 years, it feels like. So I saw it so many times in that realm. Never had HBO at home, but any hotel trip was like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm watching Tales in the Crypt. And then like Demon Knight would, it would be Demon Knight. It's like, okay, we're getting some blood, getting some boobs, getting some Billy Zane. Let's fucking go. Like it was, and like, pretty basic food groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this repeat rental on this one, cause it's so much, and also in the horror elements, it's like scary, especially when you're younger, but it's really fun. Like really fun. Like almost like the pace of an action movie. Um, with like this demons and shit. Like, so it is like a classic childhood, childhood movie for me. I watched it so many times. 
Yeah, I think it was a little inspired by From Dust Till Dawn, maybe. But when you see that as a kid, when you see the Tales was from the Crypt. Was that after this? After Dust from Dawn? Uh, yeah. No, Dust, mm-hmm. From Dust Till Dawn was after this. Oh, well, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. It was like a, a year after, I guess. I was going to say, I thought, I'm pretty sure, sure yeah, that was after. About a year, a year later, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, if you see the, the Tales from the Crypt actual, um, you know, title there, you really want to see the movie suddenly. I mean, I, I grew up watching all those episodes. So anytime there was, the, the movies actually came out like Bordello of Blood and, and this one, like I, I was, I was there um, completely. But um, I think if we were talking about Scream too, if they're if they're gonna do like a legacy sequel of something like Demon Knight, would be really interesting. And mm-hmm. I don't know if the current state of Jacob Jada Pinkett Smith out of the Oscars, if you know what what her heat is like right now. But um, <laughs> she probably I, get something greenlit. I think it would be yeah. interesting. She will I would slap be having the a shit out of a fucking. Demon. <laughs> <laughs> Or she'll just get her husband to do it. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> I would, yeah, I mean, I would love a legacy sequel. I just don't know if this movie has enough juice where people would be like, "What is this?" A it doesn't to? require yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith in it though either, because the very setup is this thing keeps changing hands over right, time. Right. But if, if she'd so. be a great like first act kill, yeah, pass yeah. off like to a, her put new a, star. the collector passed off uh, yeah. to, to like or not collector, but the 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 current holder of of the artifact to pass on to somebody else. There yeah. is that whole thing. There's a they have there, the there's stars. tattoo star, tattoos of stars on his hands, and he gains one when he completes the quest i wasn't totally sure yeah, on that but. i think it like they go away as it becomes closer to the point where he knows that this is his last run this is the end this is a, like it's going to be time to pass it on to somebody else okay. you know i think i thought that's what i got from it i that, that this is like a timer yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> a countdown like they align when it's time to pass off the thing right got and you. it's like the demon knight you know they're coming yeah well, if they did actually kill her off, it'd be interesting because you could have a little bit of an homage with Scream 2 and her, yeah. her, her death at the beginning of that. Right, right. For sure. Yeah, I forgot. She was in Scream 2. She was in a couple of horror movies starting off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so was every person in their 20s and horror movies in the <laughs> yeah, 90s. Yeah. You know, it's like that was a rite of passage. Still is to some some degree. Like, For sure. I feel like when you see an actor that just does something, like everyone's like, oh my God, mad respect. It doesn't matter how big it was. You're going to do a horror movie at some point. It's like Florence Pugh. Went from like doing this widely loved indie film called Lady Macbeth, like like a serious drama that was amazing, and it really is. If you've not seen it, it's jaw droppingly amazing. And did like stuff like Midsummer because that's what you do. Yeah, you go it, from it, that, you do hard. And also <laughs> in this era with Midsummer, with the whole like quote unquote elevated Harley, the Artur like in horror is back kind of thing. Yeah, it makes total sense for like an actor on that realm to like yes, this could also be like we get that horror money. Because there's a horror crowd that will go see this. Plus, it has a bit of a prestige on it. Yeah. Plus, you post Hereditary. Like, for, like, it's a great stepping stone, for sure. Yeah, maybe Demon Knight was a little bit before its time. I think if it came out today, it would actually work, like, in today's climate. When it's more about representation. You've got a black final girl. I've got Ernest Dickerson. You know, if they, I'm sure that the script would have to be tweaked a little bit. But you could you could do it now, and I think it would be respected. I think you would come back and do something where, like, if you were people, like, you get a good director – get a good writer, you get a solid, interesting cast, and then you bring in more of the black elements to it, especially. I mean, like, that stuff's been going great lately, like Jordan Peele, the new Candyman, what have you. You're like, this is what's happening right now. Trying to bring that into this, into this series, is the right call. Could Billy Zane be reincarnated and they could put it out during Easter? Old Billy Zane is the collector! <laughs> I think I think Billy Zane could come back. Why not? Like, he's a demon, right? He's, like, defeated, but he's still, you know, he's well, in there. Well, they, they, they die, they, another suit. guy comes. Because in the end, you're like, oh, there's also another new collector as oh, yeah, well. They him, never yeah. stop coming. And that guy's a black guy as well. So oh, you're yeah. like, oh, okay. Uh, there, there's a post credit scene 
that depending on what version of this you own has, because it's not on all of them, has the Crypt Keeper announcing a second film, which is yes. a New Orleans zombie film called Dead Easy that was originally supposed to be the first Tales from the Crypt movie. Uh, and then it and the planned third film, Body Count, were never made. Uh, instead, Bordello Blood, which was on their list at like possible, got made for the second one. And like I said, the third is a one called Ritual that I've still not seen. I, now that I know it exists, I'm like, I guess yeah, I'm going to track it, it down at some point. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is just a keep coming back to one of those really fast moving, genuinely funny, but also genuinely creepy and gory just kind of minor classic yeah it's it's a, i would call it like um it's like a vhs classic it's like a classic rental it's one of those like the cover looks cool like it like it had the fucking crypt keeper in it he's yeah. like our you know like it has so many elements of it that just kind of signify its time mm-hmm. but it and rather it feels dated it feels like um a cultural like significant moment and like horror and like Oh, the HBO, we're making a movie. The Crypt Keeper is coming. Like, this is where we're shifting to. And like, and the fact that it wasn't a huge success in theaters, but I know they probably recouped all that on video rentals and sales. Like, it was, yeah. it's definitely that slumber party. We're 12 to 15 years old and we're like watching this shit a bunch of movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just, it feels like that now. I was watching it as like a 38 year old man, like last month. And I felt like, I want to like, Pop popcorn and like try to like look up some very slow internet porn after this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it gives you that feeling of like it's, it's loading the, from the toes up. Yeah. We'll eventually get to boobs and other good stuff. That's just yeah. one photo. <laughs> exactly. Like, let's let's go like toilet paper our friend's house and yeah. then we'll come back and we'll watch Demon Night. Yeah, hell of a night. That sounds incredible. <laughs> I was somewhat intoxicated and really enjoying watching this movie, so I didn't take that many notes on it. One note that I do have, though, that I don't remember why I put down is for Roach. I have next to Roach's name, Nipple Guy. Um, I don't know if y'all <laughs> could possibly oh, enlighten man. me as to what I was referring to. I, However, Roach well, this is Thomas Hayden, guy. Thomas Hayden Church, who takes his shirt off because he's buff. Okay. So oh, wait, no. He asked her to squeeze his nipples. There we oh, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank there you, go. He asked the prostitute who he showed up <laughs> yeah. sex with, who also the postal clerk played by Charles Fleischer was like secretly in love with. Although that gets super creepy later in oh, the yes. film. But yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's Thomas Hayden Church. He was early in his career, too, but he was cut. Yeah. Very cut, yes. Yeah. yeah. Also with mentioning is the effects in this movie are really good, too. I know we kind of touched on the gore, yes. but especially the there's slime. a couple sequences, but like the sequence that's kind of depicted in like comic book, it gets comic book panel-y, I think, where the kid gets like transformed and he has like that big mouth. It's the most Tales from the Crypt sequence in the, in, other than the beginning and the end yeah, yeah. in the film because he's reading Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's like reading the comic book and like, uh, he's like seeing what's about to happen. But that, that effect when his like huge mouth is like, like it's so fucking good. It looks mm-hmm. great. Um, also wanted to mention the announcement when it does go, the, the, when the movie announces things are going bad, Billy's name's not a good guy. I love how it just goes from a zero to one hundred because he literally punches his arm through a cop's head. Yes, just like grabs it. It's like, and then he can't get the cop's head off his arm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's incredible. It's such a great like. Oh, this guy's bad news. Like, oh no, this guy's bad news, and he's gonna murder everyone. It's insane. I wonder if with um, HBO Max, if they could maybe like get Tales from the Crypt back and and do a streaming movie or do some kind of sequel that I mean, way. I assume they still own the rights to Tales they have, from the Crypt. Well, it's not on. and I know it has a lot of rights issues, but they have the money to, to be able to buy themselves out of it, I feel like. I mean, with horror 
like really going through kind of a, a, a different type of renaissance, but are no question a renaissance right now. I mean, sure, Tales from the Crypt was always a little more lurid. No one ever described it as elevated horror, that's for sure. But, like, that's always been the problem with, I think, most anthology shows, that they weren't really... They were never really going for the more artistic touch on it. You know, I mean, I think there's been a few exceptions here. Like, Hulu had a series not that long ago that was trying for that that I didn't think completely nailed it. Uh, And, And even, like, the new Twilight Zone, I was like, the problem with this is that you're too tied to the previous twilight zones here rather than just doing your own thing mm-hmm. like they kept like going oh well this is a remake of a twilight zone or this is a remake of another anthology series thing and too many references but i could see that them going we're going to redo tales from the crypt except we're going to do it in a different way i would love a, a new yeah. tales from the crypt like give me a new like series even just give me yeah. some one hour or like 30 minute shorts yeah i would like one where it was like where it doesn't feel like it has to stick to one style. Be like, this episode's going to be comedy slapstick. This episode's going to be serious elevated type horror stuff. Yeah, that's good. Nice. This episode is going to be 70s Texas Chainsaw Master. <laughs> you know, like, There's a lot of, like, young horror directors, like, first they had the first features out or a couple, like, low budget. So, like, I'm sure would love to play in that space. Like, a high budget, a high enough budget for, like, that short of a thing. Well, wasn't it, was it Showtime who had Masters of Horror? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. which was an attempt to do that, yeah. to get and the big major voices in horror to do stuff. And I feel like in this day and age, if you did that, you could come up with something even better than they did that. Yeah, because Ernest Dickerson did an episode of that, and then also in Fear Itself, too. Remember that one? Yeah. Came out? But maybe I, I, I would think the, the, the move is to get the series back and just have those seasons run and then announce a new movie, like, a, you know, yeah. just for the streamer and do it for that sure. way. It, yeah. uh, it certainly wasn't a horror anthology. I think it counts as an anthology, though. So um, there was a series called The Storyteller. It was, um, who does all the Muppets? Jim Henson? Jim Jim Henson, thank you. It was created by Jim Henson and John Hurt is the storyteller, but they go through different fairy tales from across the world. So some of it's grim, some of it is Japanese. It's just all of these different stories. And each episode is a different tale that you probably have heard or some I had never heard of before, but that is a really, really good anthology series. Yeah, that is a really good anthology series. Not really horror, but it no, has, not at all. But it has dark <laughs> elements to it, no question. Well, if everybody has anybody last things about this one, anybody... Slime was really good. I like the slime effects. It's that was very nice. slime, which were just uh, uh, broken open uh, callium sticks, like glow <laughs> sticks. That was all it was. <laughs> they just used broken up glow, glow sticks. Apparently, they went through several thousand making cool. it, uh, yeah. of that. Like, it's a cool effect. Because some... yeah, once you break them open, the glow only lasts for a short while, yeah. so they kept having to go through them. Man, we did some good shit with that stuff when we were kids. <laughs> you know, probably stuff that will be like, oh, you're dying of cancer. Is it because I was smoke? Uh, I used to smoke? No, it's because of all the callium sticks you splattered all over yourself <laughs> when you were a kid. <laughs> but they're not friend- toxic. <laughs> I had a friend back when I was in my very heavy weed smoking days. I don't smoke weed at all now, but back in high school is what you did. And then um, my friend, his name was Dusty, and he would get them. Crack them, poke the ends, and put them on strings, and just like yeah, absolutely. fling them around Ooh. the room, yeah. and then like the whole room is just like whoa! It's yeah. such a cool thing. Dude. People would just be like covered in it. And we'd have parties that like before the party started, you'd like swing it around and just splatter the whole room with it because like a tiny little no pin flex. drop at the end, yeah. and it would just splatter drops everywhere. But then you put on the black lights, and it's like whoa! This looks yeah. amazing. And no one even th- I never even no one even thought is like is this toxic? Is this anything? Is like, I don't know. We, we didn't think about that all shit over back our then. Who cares? We used to like just light off fireworks in our hands and look at our hands on fire. And <laughs> 
man, I'm so drunk. This is going to hurt tomorrow. <laughs> I, uh, when I was about six, after a New Year's party that we had at my house, uh, I had had a glow stick that I cracked too many times trying to get the last little bit of glow out of it. And I got it all over my hands. I got it in my mouth. I got it everywhere. <laughs> I wake up my mom, who's hungover, and she's pissed that I have this shit all over me. And she convinced me that I was going to die. So I go, you know, in, in, <laughs> into this wailing six-year-old moan of, I don't want to die. And both of my parents trying so horribly not to laugh and be like, no, no, never mind. It's, it's going to be fine. We're kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, then we're going to move on to our next one, which we're – man, how did we jump all the way past the 90s here? We're jumping straight to the 2000s with 2006s – and get ready for this. This might be one of the ones you guys have never heard of, and you should – Severance. And I know there's a new Apple series called Severance that we're all talking about. It is, in fact, fantastic, and you really should watch it, and it's got one of the best cliffhangers I've ever seen for the finale. But this ain't that. It's not connected to that in any way. This is written by James Moran – who wrote Cockneys versus Zombies, another comedy horror <laughs> film I deeply recommend, really fun, and Tower Block, and director Christopher Smith, who wrote and directed Creep, not the, not the comedy horror one, an earlier one that's actually really good as well, Triangle, which is one of the best sort of like meta, crazy, what is reality horror films, uh, from that period, and Detour, and he uh, also directed Black Death, which is a really cool sort of like Nordic type uh, thing. Uh, this is a film that I had all but forgotten about what had happened in it. Because I saw this at Fantastic Fest in the very early days of yeah, Fantastic same, Fest. Same. And I remember going, oh my God, this was so great. I want to tell everybody about it. But it never really, outside of people who like subscribe to Shudder, never really translated into like an all-time classic for people. I thought for sure it would. But this is one of those work things where they're like, oh, we're taking out, everybody works in this office. We're getting together and we're going out to a retreat that most of them don't actually want to do. Team building. <laughs> Team building. <laughs> Thank you, Max. <laughs> and uh, they are it, it, out going to out, out to Europe. It's Palisade Defense. They're a military arms corporation. So they went to a, quote, luxury lodge in Hungary in the mountains, which, you know, right there, you should say, is this a horror movie? Am I in a horror movie? Is there? Is this a hostile film? Uh -oh. If it's not, it's Severance. Uh, and so a fallen tree halts the bus's progress. The driver, uh, Sandor Boros, who was actually the stunt driver for real, because there's a big bus crash that happens. More on that later. Uh, but like he says, I am absolutely not going to take the bus on this dirt trail. And they can't really understand him. But Bad he's like, things happen. But he's like, fuck y'all. And he drives off, leaving the group to walk to the lodge. So they get there, and it's a piece of shit. They're like, oh, my God, this thing is, like, terrible. It's, like, just, like, it's falling apart. And the manager, played by Tim Mc... Oh, God, how do you say that? Mc McInerney? McInerney? McInerney. Okay. I love him. He was He's from Black Adder. Black Adder. Black yeah. Adder. Uh, the the uh, uh, not Krellenville. It's that 101 Dalmatians. He's in Doctor Who. He's in fucking, you know, there's only like two dozen British actors. So it all works out. God, that's funny you said. My wife always says that. It's like, there's only 12 British actors. And in they're all great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The ones you think that are more than 12, that's just one of them playing a different game. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. just that good. You didn't realize it was the same person. Like five of them are Benedict Cumberbatch. But, uh, 
But they get out there and they're like, uh, what is, uh, there's a lot of weird shit going on here. Uh, including they find a file cabinet full of very cryptic documents from the company Palisade, but they're written in Russian. Uh, apparently they, they discover early on the lodge was originally a mental institution. Uh, and, Things just get weirder from there. But eventually what you end up with is a sort of a version, a take on the sort of crazy rednecks in the woods story. <laughs> uh, in this case, people who are like, man, like we hunt and kill in a surviving the game sort of way. But partially because everyone who's ever been out here, like the Palisades Corporation, has just done nothing but fuck us. Yeah, so, I was actually curious. Is that who the assailants are? Like I was rewatching it. I was because there's all the illusions like, oh, there's. The mental hospital, or it's like we fucked over a bunch of people. This company, so and I yeah, wasn't quite yes, sure. It, the the lodge was supposed to be a re-education center for Russian war criminals and poachers. So okay. apparently, and they, okay. an escape happened, and so these are sort of like the people who ended up escaping. But gotcha. uh, so they end up the this cast, and they are a lovely cast, and I especially am going to call out Danny Dyer, who has been in a, a lot of British horror and He's British great. horror comedy, who plays sort of the one who's like the goofy, fun-loving party guy who's like, oh, I'm smoke pot through this whole fucking. He's yeah, he smokes a lot of weed in this movie. <laughs> he he, yeah. in, he eats an insane amount of mushrooms. <laughs> yes. Like as someone who like didn't th- when I first saw this, I'd never done mushrooms since seeing like. Since watching this again, I've done mushrooms. I was appalled at the amount. I was like, this man is tripping to like the fifth dimension. (laughs) This man cannot breathe unless he's thinking about breathing. That's how that works. As an old school psychedelic uh, experiencer, I can tell you there's a point past a a certain amount that you're not going to trip any harder. You just trip longer. Yes. (laughs) He's going long and hard with that amount. Heroic. Yeah. And if you're going in a work experience, staying in a decrepit cabin in the (laughs) woods in the mountains of Hungary, you probably shouldn't take psychedelic drugs. It's just a good general rule for anyone. I'm just saying like, it can't end well, right? He brought the mushrooms for the team building aspect, Especially. but then they all got started getting uh, killed. And but there's then bears. One of the lead stars here, Laura Harris, and I watching this going, "Oh my god, I forgot about Laura Harris. Faculty, she was baby. a major Dead deal. Like Dead like me. She played Daisy, one yes. of the main characters in that. Uh, Mary Beth in the Faculty. Uh, in 24, she played a primary character named in the early seasons named Marie Warner." And I was looking at her list of credits in 2014. It just stops. It's just like, wait, what happened? She did a web series in 2015 called Whole Day Down that nobody saw, I guess. And then just recently in 2021, she did a, you know, for kids Netflix series called huh. Scaredy Cats that I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to watch, despite the fact that it is horror adjacent and has cats. I'm not watching What, what it. Chris? You, you but, don't want to do a kids horror episode? <laughs> hey, it would depend on the kids horror. But... You know, we might do a kids horror episode. I'm just saying, don't, don't hold that back. But, uh, I was really in love with her back in the day. I was like, oh my God, I have such a massive crush on her. And I'm just kind of surprised that she just went like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore, but she is so good in this fucking film. Really, really great. Uh, I, I think the whole crew of a lot of which I'm less familiar with as actors, but you know, there's Toby Stevens, who, uh, was the bad guy in Die Another Day. Gustav, yeah. Gustav Gra- uh, Graves. He, I think he was in that Michael Bay movie, that 13 Hours. I think he's been, he, I, I see him like in action movies pop up from here and there. Cla- uh, is it Claudia or Claudia Bakley? Claudia, I, I I've think? seen her in a few things. Um, first thing I ever saw her in 
was a BBC series called Lark Rise to Candleford, and that's uh, I really love that. It's very simple and sweet. Matt, you are totally out- outing yourself this episode as an anglophile. <laughs> that sounds I, so I, British. I, what is it titled? Lark Rise to Candleford. No, Bloody growing hell? up, um, we didn't really have cable, so we had like the five basic channels that come when you don't have cable. One of which is PBS. Seventy percent of which is old BBC shit, so most of the comedy and the, the, just the TV series that I love and know are British television. Well, that's fair. I mean, I'm a big Anglophile myself, but <laughs> you're so British you shit the queen. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that, that um, the, at least three out of the four here saw this movie at Fantastic Fest, but I don't think we knew each other that, back then, but we were probably in the same room. I knew, I knew you back then. That's true, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I, I guess we actually, weren't sitting together. I think that's you, literally you may not Chris Alan, but that's, oh, that's when well. we met. It might have been that year. Yeah. But I definitely remember that screening. I would love to. But the problem is I'd be afraid you wouldn't leave. It was great to see with an audience. Fingernails. No, I don't want to go! Cuff me to your wrist, we'll be fine. I miss it already, even even though we had to wear a mask the entire time last time, but I'd still go... Uh, back in a heartbeat. I'm so, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. If they were like, we're, now we're moving into Dallas, I'm like, I'm going to find someone to stay in Dallas, w- within Dallas for a I week, have friends cause... in Dallas if we need a place. Well, I don't, I don't think that's happening. But, <laughs> but I, I do remember the, the, the experience seeing it in a theater though. And, and, uh, there's one scene in particular, uh, in, involving a, uh, bear trap. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, I do love a bear trap scene. That's really gory, but hilarious at the same way, because they're all so inept and they don't really know what to do. And it, and it's, it, it, it ends up kind of being a team building exercise in a weird way. They do get a little closer doing it. So. I had not thought about that, but that is absolutely perfect. Yeah, they keep fucking it up, slamming it open and closed on this poor man's leg. And well. Can I say one of my favorite moments of this whole thing is like there's a whole thing where one of the characters is arguing about whether or not the brain stays alive after your head gets cut Guillotines! off. And then his head gets cut off and you see him looking at his own body and he smiles because he is yeah. still aware. Yeah, he's like a, he <laughs> plays like, like a, I was right. Like a very arrogant, like <laughs> asshole character. Yeah. And like, yeah, head gets chopped off. He notices his body, realizes his head chopped off and he still is like. He's conscious like, and he's oh, like yeah. cracks a little smirk like <laughs> I was right. His last thought was just like, Yeah, I was I was the right one. Fuck you guys. I enjoyed a little bit of banter at the beginning of the movie where they're like, Where the fuck are we? Did we cross this border? Are there bears here? For the record, there are bears in Romania, Hungary, and Serbia. There are only not bears on the continents of Antarctica and Africa. Hmm. South America does have some bears, but only in portions. Wow, there is, are fucking bears. This has been the bear fucking podcast. <laughs> Del- Deliberations of the Bear Report. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, as well, there's a sequence here I think is absolutely the single most biggest laugh in the film where they, because their weapons contractors eventually like big weapons come into it and there's a point with like a missile launcher that they're like trying to fight off the bad guys with but then misdirects and there's just a a random like fucking jet jet airliner in the air and it fucking explodes that was one of the best parts for me because at the beginning of this movie this movie is from 2006 so we are not quite five, but almost five years past 9-11. And that is this entire company is, we are the anti-terrorists. America is safe in our hands with our weaponry. <laughs> and then we end up blowing up a fucking plane at the end of the movie. And it's all just, yeah. It is like a, one circle. of the, <laughs> the best like and most audacious jokes. Because I remember at Fantastic Fest, that getting the biggest pop. Oh, well, yeah. because it's not like, it's a slow evolving joke. Like they shoot the rocket, it's 
going up, the camera just falls into the sky as a plane <laughs> flies in the frame. Yeah. And it takes a while and you get to see what is going to happen. Oh, no. Everyone oh, no. and all the characters just stop to watch what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, what? It is. And, it, and like, if you put it in the context of like five years after 9 11, yeah. still pretty raw. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty ballsy joke to make, and it's very pointed, obviously, at, like, the people cravingly profiting off the post-9-11, like, war machine. Um, so it's, like, smart and really funny and really bold. It's it's a really good and it, joke. And it's a moment that wouldn't work in an American horror comedy, and it's and they know that. Yeah. So it's it's it really plays into the kind of the British... The, the, the subtext here is all about that, uh, about defense contractors and those things. And it's not super overt, but it's constant throughout the thing. Yes. I mean, like... Like the idea of defense contractor tractors specifically causing more trouble than there would be without them in war torn areas because war is good for business. In fact, this has direct ties to Dr. Strangelove by, by Stanley Kubrick that they, they talk all about the CRM 114 landmine yes. in this. That's a reference directly to the CRM 114 radio discriminator, uh, in <laughs> Dr. Strangelove and both films end with the song We'll Meet Again, ah. although this version is a hard rock uh, yeah. cover of it. It's just like, okay, y'all are like, you know, if you know your references, you know what that is. But either way, I feel like you can watch this without going, oh, this is a super political movie. Or you can watch it and go like, oh, wow, all that stuff is there. Yeah, I didn't catch that. That's great. Yeah. I really enjoyed with this movie there the, the there was a large no bullshit aspect. There's even a scene where Maggie, uh, Laura Harris's character, she uh she she shoots a dude once they have invaded the house the the those um Russian guys that we found the files for they are, are definitely in the woods and they're definitely coming to kick your ass because you work for this company. She shoots him in the head and she's like I would really have hated for for me to have died and been like oh well I didn't shoot him while I had the chance and <laughs> no. there was so much in this movie where it was like yes this is not an oh no I'm gonna run and stumble and fall and let me not kill you while I have the chance. They were like nah let's get this shit done. Yeah this is kind of a self-aware in that level movie but it's not something that it like makes super meta it never right, goes right. meta about it where like oh this is a horror movie of people who've seen horror movies no it's just i'm yeah. going to make the reasonable decision instead of the idiot decision in a horror movie yeah absolutely uh now the actor as i've mentioned previously who played the bus set driver was actually the stunt driver and there's a huge bus crash and the thing is is that it was a re- he was supposed to do 35 miles per hour over a ramp. He did f- over 50 miles per hour. Fuck. So it was a significantly more explosive crash than it was supposed to be in the script. They had to rewrite the script like a lot because oh, like, like it was such a big crash. They were like, uh, they would be really badly injured from this as opposed to I'm just a little bumped up. So they had to rewrite the script at the last minute to, because they couldn't afford to reshoot it. <laughs> they were like, uh, okay, so now they're much more seriously injured and we'll see how that plays into it. And then there was, uh, they, Gordon, the man who got caught in the bear trap for our team building exercise. Uh, there's a point where our stoner friend Steve, uh, he had his leg. They had his leg. They were gonna escape with the bus. And then more shit goes wrong after the bu- bus crashes. And he's like, oh, fuck, I forgot Gordon's leg in the bus. <laughs> yeah, uh, as well, this is a little sad after the fact uh, take on this. But apparently in 2009, there was a murder of a 17-year-old student from Norfolk, England, Ooh. that apparently was tied up and gas was poured down his throat before he was set on fire. Oh. And the people involved were like, yeah, we saw it in this movie. And we were like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds cool. We should do that. Fuck. That'd be brutal. Oh, they're influenced by Severance. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa, that was the thing that actually happened. Uh, yeah. 
So grody. that's that's very grody and horrible. But it briefly made this movie uh, back up where people started watching it again, and they should watch it. I'm so, it's not the responsibility of a movie that people get influenced by something, and they're like someone no. who's mentally deranged enough to go like, "Well, that's cool. I would love to set someone on fire." You know That's what? Something else would happen. Yeah, those kids should have just done mushrooms, I think, instead. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah. They'd just eaten totally a fine. whole bag of mushrooms, mm-hmm. way more than doctor recommended. <laughs> <laughs> I was more of an acid guy myself, so. I don't know. But this this movie is starting to get, I think, a little bit more of a resurgence, and it's starting to, I, I've seen it pop up on like 420 lists, too, with like Danny Dyer, his kind of main character, doing so much drugs, but he, he does, a, a, he smoked a lot of weed in it. Uh, and he's also great in a film that I think played Fantastic Fest, too, uh, Doghouse. That came out oh, in like 2009. So and it was all, it was all. That, in- that was going on my, we got to review this for the zombie movie episode one. Cause <laughs> yeah, I love Yeah, so that it's, movie. it's just where, um, it's just a, a group of guys, they're trying to, um, help their friend get over a divorce and they go to a remote town where they're kind of outnumbered by women, like three to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the women turn into zombies. So there's, oh. you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a thing where only women get the zombie virus. I mean, you got that double X chromosome. Something bad's bound to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is so funny and it sounds like it might get misogynist, but it's kind of, it plays into the misogyny in a way that, it attacks the misogyny yes. by the characters being misogynist. And it's like, oh, it's, it's super fun. But yeah, Dyer is a, like a genre film staple. And he's also in a lot of football based movies. By that, I mean mm. soccer for Americans, but you know, football. he's in a lot of stuff, football. He's appeared in a lot of that type of stuff. But yeah, he is just one of those guys like just dripping with chemistry. So funny. So, so either likable in the best possible way or likable in the worst possible way. But that's yeah, well, like thing. he should be like so often this type of character movies like this i find so grating like he's in that role like oh god this guy who's just like sort of like the druggie who can't like get any shit together and like sort of like the horn dog type like grass jokes and so often that is just so played out and cliched and boring but it might just be a testament to his chemistry where it doesn't come off that way in this movie he's like it's just played a little more grounded where so many times in the movies like this it's just ramped up to the point of like this is a caricature of a person. But um yeah, his performance is so good and all the stuff plays so well. Yeah, he gets some great moments funny. at the end too, for yeah. sure. Like when yeah. the tables get turned a little bit. Survival um, stoner. Yeah, like I just <laughs> say like the I love a survivalist horror movie. And like survivalist horror comedy. Not a lot of them. Not a lot of yeah. them. Yeah. It's like this and like your next yeah. is like in that zone. But like just the idea of survivalist horror because it's usually pretty brutal. There's like the violence in them because like the whole horror aspect of it is there's pain here. This is a real person. This is a knife. This right. is a gun. This is a home invasion. Something like that. So it's hard to pull off that balance. And this movie does a really good job speaking of balancing the two genres. Mm-hmm. We're kind of what we've been talking about throughout this, um, these episodes. The violence in this movie hits. It's not cartoony. No. no. When people it get stabbed, it was, when there were a couple of deaths, some of the deaths are really like heartfelt. Like it's sad and like it feels like a real, I mean, movie real murder. Like, not like, a, oh, that's really funny. Someone's, like, head got chopped off, which is something that happens in this movie. But it's also, that's really sad. This person got stabbed and died. And it manages to pull off both. I feel like it also starts with these characters playing caricatures. And as it goes along, you start getting a little bit more depth with it them. It's really enough, real. Where you're like, oh, this character I thought was just this type of character actually is someone who I'm like, oh, I actually kind of feel bad for them now. And when enough that when they die, you're like, oh, man, I mean, like, yeah, they were kind of a jerk but they were a jerk that at least you knew why they were a jerk <laughs> and it's a testament to how they way they structured it like the people who get the more comedic deaths 
are the people who die earlier, yeah. who are more in the asshole, more caricature zones. And as you get more familiar and more tied to these characters, that's where you get the weight of the deaths, where the horror aspect of it really comes in. Yeah, yeah, it's like the irritating person in the office ends up being the person that saves your ass out in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There uh, was maintenance work at my apartment while I was watching this, and so I had the subtitles on, and it was one of those movies where I was actually really glad that I had the subtitles on because I had the translations for the bits of the movie that didn't, that, that were not in English. And so having that, like, there is that, there, there are portions where there's yelling, there's stuff going on, and it did give me that little bit of enrichment of knowing actually what the fuck they were going on and what was going on inside their heads. And so oh, I do recommend subtitles. I'm an always subtitles guy, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I found, like, especially when you're going to watch a film that you've seen a hundred times and you love to death, because you go, wait, is that what they said? Yeah, sometimes so you're, happens, you're like, fuck, yeah. I've always thought they said something else, and here I'm like, oh shit, they said something totally sometimes, different. It's a, if you're streaming, especially, sometimes the subtitles are wrong, though. Yeah. Wait, it drives me nuts. I, yeah. I have that borderline, because sometimes with stuff that I've watched, I love that, oh my god, that's what you say, but then with newer things, and sometimes why I resist subtitles, even though it makes it easier for me, is because sometimes the subtitles are ahead of the text, and it ruins jokes, and I hate that yeah, shit. Yeah, never on <laughs> comedies. You're right. With comedies the one genre you can not I, I won't do it with comedies unless I've already seen it. Yeah. And there then I'll go. go back and go like, okay, I'll watch that way. Because sometimes I get a joke I didn't get before. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh shit, that was mired. I was like, I, again, I thought they said something else. Go, oh, now I get it. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, speaking of survival stoners, that will bring us to the point where we end this episode, but I tease you for the next episode, which is all about a survival stoner. The first one of the movies we're going to talk about, we are going firmly into the 2000s and that one with three films that I genuinely love the shit out mm-hmm. of all three of them, but in very different ways. And I'll be curious to know what my co-hosts think about these films. And I think I'll for. Like, although one of them is one, oh my God, you guys have totally already seen There's no question you've seen it. The other two you might not have and might need to be brought to your attention about why we think you should or maybe shouldn't see it. But that brings us to the end of this chapter of Deliberations of Doom. Thank you, Drew. Stay scared. Thank you, Mads. You're very welcome. Thank you, Alan. Bloody hell. <laughs> what? That's my British. That's your British? British? My British. Bloody hell. Uh, that was your day. Is that, like, That's rude. Is it too cock? cock? I, I don't know how to do British. I don't know how to do accents. My wife tells me, don't do accents, because no matter where you... You always start off doing accents correctly, but within 10 seconds, it's Romanian. I can only... You know why, every time, you end up sounding like Bella Lugosi. Bloody hell. Bella Lugosi's dead. <laughs> he is indeed. I think. Is he? I don't, He's yeah. a vampire. Please don't talk about it. Tick, tick, tick. Bye.